Hey everyone, grace and peace to you all from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Monday, April 27th, week 7 of Shelter in Place uh, here in San Francisco. Different places have different timelines, but here in San Francisco, we have been inside, sheltered for now six whole weeks, and now today is the seventh. <sighs> wow, I'm getting a little restless. Um, yeah, I mean, I I still go outside every day because we live down the street from a park at our house, and we're encouraged to go outside. Obviously, we go with masks or keep social distance yesterday afternoon we just laid out a blanket Junie played in the grass for the first time yes you heard that right the first time she's 16 months 12 13 14 15 months and i don't know we just never got around to her playing on the grass just not something you do in san francisco grass usually means dogs poop and pee in it but um but whatever that's a whole different thing but we just like she loves the outside. She loves being in the backyard, the front yard. So she had such a wonderful time picking flowers. That's her favorite thing, picking flowers. Uh, I, I think the thing I love the most about having uh, a child, a baby, a daughter, is um, seeing life through their eyes. I knew that this was going to be the thing that I love the most about being a dad. I, kn- I knew this for you know, years, uh, trying to have a a baby. But now that she's here, like, I knew this was gonna be my favorite part, seeing the world, seeing flowers through her eyes, seeing bugs through her eyes, seeing she loves to say hi to the tree in our front yard. She wants to go outside every single day to say hi to the tree, to touch the tree, to pull off a little acorn thing from the tree, to keep it with her. She holds it in her hand until you have to pull it out of her hand. Um, that that that's the stuff I, I just love about being a dad. Um, it's like, I think all children are contemplatives that they see the world beyond, uh, beyond the imperial, empirical, em, empirical. They see the world beyond the data. They see the world beyond, um, the, uh, the ones and zeros. And they see beneath the world. They see. They see something, the mystery, the beauty behind the beauty. And I think that's what I love about children. Because, you know, one of my my hopes is that I age into a contemplative, into a mystic, into someone who isn't nearly as um, wound up as I typically am. Always plan, planning in my head, always trying to uh, be pragmatic with everything. Even with beauty, I'm pragmatic with beauty. Like, how can I take that beauty and transfer it into something I'm doing. Um, I mean, that's usually the one of the first thoughts that in my head when I see something beautiful. Or how can I own that beauty, or something like that. And um, that's a very pragmatic way of seeing beauty, and not a contemplative way of seeing beauty. Of, of just simply seeing it, and appreciating it, and being in awe of it. And that's what I'm learning right now. Um, learning life through Juniper's eyes. Anyway, I'm four minutes into this podcast, and its uh, I forgot to tell you that today's a check-in. Um, I'm just going to check in with you all, and i if you don't know what that is, I don't either. Um, 
that this is the first time I'm doing a podcast like this and it might it might be received well it might just be bad I have no idea but I want this to be more of a a Monday extemporaneous check-in when we we had an idea before uh, COVID happened to start doing a podcast not a daily one uh, more of a weekly podcast and um, and it would it would come out it would start there'd be different segments to it the the first segment would be me on a monday morning after church sunday extemporaneously going through the day like what was going on pastorally what was i saying what was like uh, that that sort of thing and then uh, what's the pulse check on on the congregation as i see it you know uh on monday morning and then it was going to go into different segments of like different updates in our church uh like stories Almost like if we could do a uh, This American Life or a Fresh Air uh, in our church uh, on different stories in our church. We, that's what we wanted the podcast to be. And of course, that would have taken a lot of work. And it's still a great idea. We just knew it would be a lot of work. But with Shelter COVID, um, shelter and COVID, we just decided to do a daily one where it was more uh, meditative, more like devotional, more like you can turn it on in the morning and it, you have your your pastor or one of your leaders or people that we really respect in our, in our circle of friends, checking in, um, and, uh, doing a devotional. So we did that. It's been received really, really well, um, by you all and really grateful for that. I think sometimes I have to keep myself interested in something to keep going. So I'm going to change it up and changing it up today, Monday. Um, trying to keep myself interested because, um, we might be sheltered for another month. It's it sounds like from the news yesterday in San Francisco. So we'll see. Um, so for these th- this check in today, I want to talk about uh, yesterday we did a uh, we did a part two of a sermon on hope. Um, the first one was we were looking at uh, well, who is called doubting Thomas. This was two weeks ago, and we talked about hope through locked doors yesterday. It was more of a straightforward teaching uh, a Christ, on a Christian hope. What is the Christian hope? And um, one thing I want to say is so yesterday I shared an illustration about writing sermons and how much, you know, I don't necessarily love writing sermons. I'm not, I'm not like a content guy. I'm more of a, I'm more of a, uh, I'm more of a, like a straightforward pastor that teaches and leads and, um, and has vision, but I, I, content is not my favorite thing to do. And so, but here's what's funny. So yesterday, I on it. This is like honest, honest to goodness. Like from my heart, I hated yesterday's teaching. And this is what happens every single time this happens, where I almost I had to walk out of the room. It's just a weird thing to to go to church in your living room and watch yourself i can't i i wish that on no one i'm so sorry that if if pastors are listening to this and that's your reality right now it is such a bummer anyway so i had to walk out of the room yesterday like three times because i just so didn't like the sermon at all i was just like you should have said that differently why did you do it that way why did you say like that sort of thing very self-critical but what happens is every single time I do not like a teaching, that's when everyone loves it, and I and that even makes me more angry. 
So, of course, some people I really respect text me afterwards. That was seriously one of your top whatever sermon. That was so good. I was so moved by it. I was, God was so present in that. And I, I can be honest with these friends. I was, most of them, I was like, thanks. And, you know, I, I knew this was going to happen because I, I hated it. And that happens almost every time when I, I think this is probably the sermon that you're going to realize that I shouldn't be doing this job. Um, something else happens. And when the ones that I'm like, that was actually, that should go in the archives. That was actually so good. I don't hear a single thing. So my friend Joe, who's on the podcast on Friday says, maybe you're not, you no longer get to choose the guest preachers. You don't, you're not a good judge of sermons. So he's probably right. Anyway, so yesterday, um, we teach on hope and, uh, the, the sermon was really inspired by, um, a sermon or a lecture by Eugene Peterson, the late Eugene Peterson, uh, that my friend John Mark Comer sent me. Um, and Eugene used to be a, uh, he used to teach after he retired from full-time pastoring at Regent College up in, uh, Vancouver, um, Canada, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And it was just a lecture from that. Um, actually, here, listen. He, he Here's just a little excerpt from it. So good. This, here, this is him talking about how hope and eschatology are basically the same thing. But it's really one of the simplest things. It's, it's everyone lives eschatologically. Maybe the simplest way to experience eschatology is simply to climb into bed at night and expect to wake up in the morning. Maybe that's why we have such a hard time getting our children to bed at night when they're small, because they have an underdeveloped eschatology. They think they're going to miss out on something if they don't stay awake. But those of us who have theological degrees in eschatology, we go to bed and sleep um, very nicely, thank you, uh, because we know it's going to be okay. There's going to be a waking up time. Our lives are shaped by hope. Hope is the, is the element that sculpts our lives. We live in anticipation, and as Christians, we live in anticipation of what God is doing. So good. Oh, don't ask me for that. I don't know. That was like on a thing that he sent me on a drive that I don't really know how to get off. So don't ask me. Like, send me that. I can't. Um, so Eugene... Uh, if you knew, he he had written the Message Bible. It's a translation. Uh, he's a pastor in Baltimore, and he wrote it for his congregation. He just knew, you know, he was working with a lot of blue-collar um, uh, people and um, needed to get the Bible to make sense to them. And so he wrote them their own translation. And, of course, it gets wildly popular. And, you know, right before he passed, uh, I and a group of friends got to go to his house and spend two days with him. He was really frail slow but still so wise obviously at that point in his life um and so every time i hear his voice i think about being with him in his living room and him wearing this like faded out blue denim shirt sitting very frail like in a chair like yoda and just spouting out wisdom like so i listen to his voice and i I get all those feels back but that sermon that lecture really inspired a two-week sermon on hope because it feels like right now we need more than anything to reclaim the Christian hope. 
And as I said yesterday, hope needs an object. It needs something it could latch onto that we hope in. This is why for a lot of people, we hope in something. We, we look into the future and we hope in that thing, you know, a vacation, um, a graduation, um, uh, a promotion. We hope in that thing because hope needs an object. Now, Eugene would go on to say that that's actually planning. That's not hoping. Hoping's different. But the point remains that hope needs something to latch onto. And so I think that's that's a, a, a right thing, a right way to look. Um, but when the hope latches onto something, it has to latch onto something that that um, that there is beyond that something, the Christian hope. So I'll explain that in a second. But I wanted to get to um, a lot of you wrote in when I asked last week. You know what what are you hoping in? Um, how are you renewing your hope? And um, I got a I got a lot of really really great messages. I wanted to share a few of them um, now. Uh, Shani. Teriyaki said, I've been documenting what my day-to-day looks and feels like in private medium posts, video logs, and regular laments with a couple friends. It has truly been anchoring and reminding myself that peace doesn't feel certain and concrete. It feels more like breaking and reforming of my will, finding rest in the remaking. It's not the absence of waves. Rather, it is, it is concentration on the one constant who controls them. So finding hope in... Uh, he writes, finding hope in, in, in processing all of his pain, all of his lament, processing and letting God form and reform his will. So this is a, a hope in the development of character that God's doing. You know, Romans 5 says that um, perseverance develops character, character, hope. This is like a hope in whatever God is doing in me um, is a good work, and I'm going to focus in on that work. And that's where his hope was. And I think that's a really, really great thing. Um Another person, uh, Care. I'm really bad at reading, but um, I asked, you know, what, where's, where's hope being renewed right now? Ultimately, this for me becomes a question of how do I really take into heart that God is in the work and at work in all of this, which applies not only to the current COVID situation and how I can convince myself that I am too on a journey, his journey, and that isn't the end that season eight will come, uh, but not much better than than goats. Oh, he's talking about last the last dance. That's actually pretty good. Um, it perhaps goes back to the most fundamental things we are designed to do, to give thanks, to praise, and to worship. For me, it has only been through thanksgiving uh, that, that joy is sparked, through praise, um, through worship. And... Um, and that's really, he said, it helped my heart posture to see God's hand and his fingerprints and recognize his presence. So I think this is another really good way to look at hope. Because hope needs an object, that object in this person's writings is God. And the probably the best way to, to stoke that in someone's heart and mind is through music. My wife started doing this last Monday um, because she was finding that she was waking up and uh, helping her mom who we moved into a, a new, helped move into a new place, like trying to solve all her problems, being on the phone with AT&T for like three hours to get her internet and blah, 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 blah. And Ash was just like, my mornings are so horrible. Like I just think about problem solving. So she decided to shift and like worship in the morning and have music, worship music playing and singing with Junie. And it can, that kind of shifting of object, like I'm going to focus not on problems, but focus on an 
the object of my hope and then let and then work from my problems from there i think that's super super good um uh a gal named Ange baldwin is her handle i think um says calls with friends sharing positive stories i see online and doing creative things like painting or coloring has been really helpful to renew hope i think this is really good as well this is like tangible like uh, community choosing to focus on the hope of uh, of friendships and relationships and the building of those doing I think creativity unlocks hope in a new way where you're able to see past what's there to be on I think of that Apple commercial that's been playing on TV um, and it's all these different people during COVID finding new ways of being creative and I think it ends with like create creativity continues or something like that I think creativity unlocks hope in a really profound and deep way and I think creativity is super super key um anyway I, there's a ton more i just i just chose three random ones i just literally opened my phone which i usually don't open my phone this early but <clears throat> but i did anyway um so hope needs an object and what the point of yesterday was the real object of the christian's hope is is christ returning and restoring all things and when you focus on that when you learn about that that reality permeates uh permeates, sorry, permeates your presence. It fills it with strength and it fills it with heart. Uh, for example, um, because I know Christ is going to restore all things, I actually have more courage to step out in things that he's called me to do, to give things away, to even suffer in, in ways that I know that he, my suffering will turn into glory eventually, maybe not in this life, but the next life. Uh, I think of the, the, um, the serenity prayer, how it ends with, I pray that I would do all these things so I could be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy in the life to come. And I think the Christian's hope is that, like, in this life, I might be somewhat happy. Um, I might go in and out of happiness because happiness depends on how much I'm controlling my circumstances at every given time. But I know I will be extremely happy in the next. And the Christian hope does that. It looks beyond. Um so I, I wanted to do this before we ended. I don't even know how long this is going. 18 minutes. Goodness gracious. Okay. Um, I, I had, I asked yesterday for questions with regards to hope. And I got, obviously, a lot. I won't be able to get to them all. But um, but let me, I want to look at a couple questions from yesterday. People asked, wrote in. I asked, you know, do you have any questions pertaining to hope from the last three or two sermons? And so uh, on Instagram, I asked this, and um, and then yeah, here here are a couple. I want to answer a couple questions. Uh, someone wrote in. I'm not going to try to read these names anymore. It's pointless. I'm not really good at it. What are the what are practical steps we can take to recalibrate our hope once we face disillusionment? Oh, that's a really good question. I think that recalibration of our hope is something that the, the Holy Spirit conspires to do in us, in our disillusionment, right? So think of Jesus uh, walking with the two, uh, some people think their husband and wife on the road to Emmaus, and they're disillusioned. They're like, they, well, they're walking with Jesus, they didn't even know they were walking with Jesus. And Jesus shows up, and they're just so sad and somber and disillusioned and bummed. Jesus is like, what's going on? Why are you guys so sad? He's like, they're like, what, have, where, where, where have you been? Have you been um, under a rock? <laughs> that's, that's a bad joke. Um, 
where have you been? And Jesus is like, I don't know what you're talking about. What's going on? And of course they share with him, you know, Jesus, we had hoped he was going to be the one to restore Israel. And at that moment, you know that they had hoped in something that is gone now and no longer are they hoping and no longer are they staying in Jerusalem and they're going home now. But Jesus is walking with them and they didn't recognize him. And I think this is the conspiracy of God to recalibrate our hope. Jesus was walking with them. They didn't recognize him. He subtly starts, not even not even subtly, I'd say. He says, why are you so slow to, in your heart to believe? And he starts to explain to them how their hope was in the wrong thing. And he starts to recalibrate their hope. And it says later on that their hearts burned within them. And I think this is what happens when God recalibrates our hope. I think we have to just be receptive. And we have to start to to believe that God might be in things and and in situations where we can't recognize him right now. But he will recalibrate and he'll show up. Um, Someone else wrote in, how can we connect the power of the Holy Spirit within us with hope? Um, I think this is another really good question. I think that's done through a Romans 8 groaning with uh, and prayers without words allowing the spirit to do it sometimes this happens through silence where you can be silent before god and you could just sit with god and allow the spirit to intercede for you and this is when this happens uh our inner person is built up and the spirit starts to connect and reconnect us with hope eventually it might not happen in in an hour might not happen in a couple days but it will eventually happen because the spirit says he intercedes for us when we don't have we don't know what to pray which is often the time when we kind of lose hope. We don't know how to pray anymore, and we have to let the Spirit. There was a exercise we did, I don't know, like a couple weeks ago when we, we did uh, the Holy Spirit interceding for us. I forget the episode number, but you can find it on the podcast. A um, couple more here. Sometimes rejoicing can feel inauthentic in suffering. How important is that? Ah, so Romans 5 says rejoice uh, in our sufferings. How do we rejoice and feel like it's not inauthentic? Um, I think it's the most authentic thing you can do is tell God your authentic feelings. Like it could sound something like this, God, your, the scriptures say that I can, I can rejoice in suffering and I'm finding it hard to rejoice in this right now. But somehow I know that you, that I can look back on this eventually, maybe not even in this life or the next life and rejoice in it. But right now I'm finding it hard. And so Lord, would you meet me in the suffering, in this pain, in this lament, and show me the next step. Show me the next like thing I can I can see you working in and around or whatever. Like something like that. Like just being honest with God. I think that's really important. Uh, there's another good one here. There's a, a lot of good ones. How do you identify when you are putting your hope in the wrong thing? How do you identify you're putting your hope in the wrong thing? Well, um, sometimes God does that for you where you get disillusioned or disappointed. Um, but here's the thing. With with Christian hope, God has a way. I did this in the podcast last week where I was quoting Augustine a lot last week, um, where we do this, we, we try to find hope in a lot of things that until we realize that they're really just signposts pointing to an eternal, like something beyond that thing, is when... Um, when we've come to full maturity, when we realize that, you know, we're hoping in a marriage, which is a really good thing to hope into. Um, and we realize once we're married that that 
maybe that wasn't it. Like it was great. It is great. It's awesome. But it's also not the thing. Like I feel still not consummated, even though we've consummated. Um, that's a real feeling in marriage. And, and you'll, you'll find that with everything, a new job, um, the best jack, best fitting jacket you've ever worn. Um, the best house that you think that you wanted to live in. There'll be an unconsummated feeling in all the things that you think once I get that thing. And I think for, for Christian hope to continue to mature, it's realizing these things are just signposts to the, to like the ultimate union with God, my ultimate hope in God, when God will make all things new. That's why I shared yesterday that quote from Daniel Tiger. I wish I can play a clip. I don't even know if it's legal to play a clip, but that if you're a parent, you probably get, or I don't know, something with dads. A lot of dads texted in and said, like, um, they were really, that was it. Like, they were moved by that that moment. I was talking to my friend Al Abdul last week, and I, we were talking about this, and I said, I cry at this part of Daniel Tiger. And he was like, I do too, every single time. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's, I don't know why it hits. Maybe it hits moms just like the same, but it just especially hits, hits dads. Like, there's this thing about... Um, one day everything's going to be restored. One day, uh, the thing that I was I was always hoping to feel in a sport or in my job or in making money or having a secure house or having a marriage or whatever, that thing I was going for uh, that didn't really happen exactly like I thought it, that's going to happen. One day when the day's new and I'm before Christ and it all makes sense and I see no longer dimly and I see clearly, I see his face and I say thank you. And there's a lot of things that I want to talk about with God. And he said, let's talk. And we're talking face to face. Oh, man. That's the day. I can't wait for that day. Um, yeah, I when I was writing that part of the sermon the other day, last week, I was weep- I was literally weeping. I don't cry. I've only cried twice since Junie's been bored. And weeping. Like I say I cry every time I hear Daniel Tiger, but I mean my version, which is like my nose burns and my eyes water. But when I was writing the sermon... On that day, Daniel Tiger bit, I was weeping where I'm sitting right now at my desk. And I just imagined being with Christ, knowing that he wipes away every tear and I can talk with him about all of these things and he can say, I know. And we can just talk about the journey. I don't know. There's something about that. I just can't wait. Anyway, this has been way too long. What is this? Well, almost 20 something minutes. Okay. So this is our first check in. Um, I. I, if you, if you listened and this made sense to you, great. If you didn't just skip over this, here's the reason why this week we have an insane amount of amazing sermons or it's not sermons, sorry, podcast. Um, we ha- I asked my friends, uh, Eugene Cho from Seattle, who's gonna be moving to DC soon. And my friend, Brian Loritz, who lives in South Bay, but is be moving back East soon. And my friend, John Mark Comer, who's in Portland, who's not moving soon. Um, I asked them all to give me a, a, a short meditation on hope because this, this, that's our theme this week, carrying this on. And uh, they all have, and they've sent them in, and so we're going to be releasing them this week. They're short meditations on hope. And so um, I only did this because I knew we had a lot of good stuff going on the rest of the week. So uh, grace and peace to you all. I want to close with Psalm 27 verse 13 so meditating on this this morning i remain confident of this that i will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living wait for the lord be strong and take heart and wait for the lord peace be with you Mm -hmm.